Thank you for visiting Open Life today. We're glad that you took time out of your busy week to join in with our service. If you're listening online or through the Open Life Church app, I need to point out two things for your benefit. The first is that we have our notes conveniently placed for you to follow along with the passages and points mentioned in the talk. The second thing I would like to point out is our connection card. If you fill this out while you are listening, it not only lets us know you visited us today, but also allows you to communicate any prayer requests you may have. We will be sure to take time to pray for them during the course of the week. If you are listening on iTunes, you can always visit us online or download the Open Life Church app to get in contact with us. Wherever or however you are with us today, we are glad that you are here. Now let's join today's talk. So we're ta- starting a new series for the next three weeks, and it is called Fear. And uh, some heavy issues, I mean, it's all across the news. It wasn't too hard to find those clips online and to throw them up on the screen. Um, so we're, it's, it, what it's important to think, though, uh, from the talk last week, is that the big thing you are always going to want to remember is that we have one hope, and his name is Jesus. And so if there's anything you gain from the series, and we're talking about fear and worry, is that our hope is always in Jesus. So that's the spoiler alert. That's the, the key to all this. And so is that is Jesus is our one hope. And so it's really the next three talks when we're talking about our health, our sickness, um, our finances, and our marriages, it's that our hope is in Jesus. That we can fear and we can worry about these things, but our hope is always in Him. And so um, today we're talking about sickness and health, and what we wanted to do this time around is give you resources in your hands. And so um, we're going to recommend or just say, hey, if you want to read an extra book on this, because um, it's something that you're walking through, um, we're going to do that each week. And so this week the book is called uh, Through the Eyes of a Lion by Levi Lusco. And so I haven't personally read this, but uh, Brent down in Sumner, Open Life Sumner, he has read it and he highly recommends it. And so next week, um, Thad will recommend a book that he hasn't read, but it's one that I highly recommend. And so that it's, we're just kind of like, you know, we, we went through these three topics and asked, you know, what are some good resources that we have read before? And so we're going to shoot those out to you. Um, and so the questions today are the, what worries you? We're going to kind of start the series and kind of set the tone for all three weeks. But what keeps you up at night? And, you know, as a staff, we pray over the prayer requests each week that you send in on the connection cards. If you go online and press the prayer button. And so um, it's pretty easy to figure out when, um, as a staff, when we're praying, is that there's three main issues that we've been praying for a lot for everyone. It's people's health. It's people's finances and trouble with their jobs and it's people's marriages. And so we take those things very seriously. And so we want you to know that the hope that we have in Jesus is stronger than any fear or worry that you might have in those issues in your life. And so before we talk about that issue, let's jump in and talk about what Jesus says about worry. And he really uh, just says it plainly in Matthew 6, 24 through 34. Let's read that. No one can serve two masters, Jesus says, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or even enough enough clothes to wear. 
Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yes, Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why, you do, why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. So some things God, or Jesus says in there, I mean, Jesus is God, but a uh, little uh, slip there, but you cannot serve both God and money. The story then is the same as it is for us today, is pretty much everything revolves around money, and Jesus is addressing that. Many of our daily decisions are based around that issue, in our finances, our jobs, you know, we revolve our whole lives from the minute we're kids to when we live our lives as adults. It's like, what's my job? What's going to provide me income? And that's how we raise our kids sometimes is, you know, we want to raise them up, make good choices so they can have a better life. And sometimes we equate a better life, meaning, well, they have more money. They don't have to worry about fending for themselves. They don't have to worry about this. So we raise them up, you know, work hard in school so that you can go to a good college, so that you can have a good job. It's really a lot of it is money and issues. And Jesus is saying you can't serve both God and money. And so then he talks about the birds. And he simply says that God feeds them. He talks about the lilies and says, aren't they dressed beautifully? And then the important thing to know is that God cares about you more than both birds, more than lilies in a field. He cares about you as a person, as his unique creation. He cares for you more than those simple things that we often take for granted. And so can all your worries add a single moment to your life? That's just what Jesus is asking. Can a, can a single moment of worry add a single moment to your life? And then he ends it and he says, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow has its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Today's trouble is enough for today. So what's going on in your life? What are you worried about today? And how can the hope of Jesus help you deal with those things? When we worry, we begin to question and fear what the future holds. We don't like the unknown. We're scared by what we can't see. And it creates fear inside of our hearts. And so today the big idea um, that we're going to talk about today, but it's really the big idea for all three of these messages that we're going to be talking about, is that fear steals the life God wants us to live. I can choose to live in fear and let my life be ruled by the master of worry, or I can live in the hope of Jesus, trusting in that he has a plan for my life. One path will lead to freedom, and another path will lead to more and more worry. And it really leads to destruction. Worry really takes no prisoners on its way down to trying to pull you from the life that God wants you to live. It takes no prisoners. 
many times we'll, we'll say, well, you know, I'll worry about this so that another person doesn't have to. Really, that is never the case. When you let your worry rule your life, other people around you that are in close relationship with you, they're going to be affected as well. I mean, look at families and kids. When parents are worried about their finances, they're worried about their marriages, oftentimes their kids begin to get that worry. Even if they are not even told about it, they just sense something's different, and worry begins to well up inside of their hearts as well. Worry takes no prisoners. Other, uh, one of the verses that I just love when we're talking about this is that in John 10.10, 10, Jesus says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Other translations say, Have life and have it to the full. That's what Jesus' plan is for all of us, is so that we may have life in him and have that life to the full. Jesus wants to set you free. The evil one, Satan, the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. When we choose worry and we choose fear, we go down the path of destruction, of fear, of evil. But when we choose to follow Jesus and the hope that he has, we choose freedom, we choose life, even in circumstances that might seem not very life-giving. And so that's what we are going to talk about today, is how can we have abundant life when life is full of opportunities to worry. And so there may be no other issue that causes more questions in people's hearts and in their minds about Jesus when we talk about sickness. When we talk about an incurable disease that someone has, we begin to question God and ask him, what the heck is going on? You know, if, if I have financial problems or if I have trouble in my marriage, oftentimes I can look and say, you know what, if I would have made a better decision maybe a year ago or two years ago, then I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, if I, if I would have just invested a little wiser or if I had not blown my money on this, you know, whatever you want to call it, a big 60, 70, uh, Costco-sized 90-inch TV, maybe I could pay my bills this month. You know, we can point to financial problems and say, you know what, maybe if I would have just been a little smarter. Oftentimes in our marriages, you know, if I, if I hadn't cheated on my wife, maybe we would have a better relationship. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that statement. You know, so we can point to certain things. But when we're talking about sickness, when we're talking about cancer, when we're talking about things that are going on in our lives... Sometimes there's no explanation to that. And, like, that's the story of my family for the last 13 and a half years. It, come to, it came to head this February. My mom had a brain tumor and had to have emergency surgery. And she's surviving, but she's just finished a radiation treatment. And now she just started this week in her fifth round of 12 of chemotherapy. What did my mom do to deserve that? What does anyone who has cancer, why do they deserve sickness? Why do kids at children's hospital deserve to sit there and have sicknesses? They didn't do anything. And so I think like when we're talking about the issue of our health, when we're talking about sickness, we can really start to worry and it's really quick to let that worry turn into fear. And, really quite, and it destroys your relationship if you let it with God. Because you fear 
that maybe God is the one who did this. And I don't want to serve a God who makes people sick just for the fun of it. And so thought number one today is God doesn't make people sick to prove a, prove a point. You have to remember that the thief is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God sent Jesus so that we may have life. You know, sometimes there are consequences of actions. Sometimes they don't. The one kind of exception when we're talking about sickness and cancer is that maybe, yeah, you smoke a pack a day and in 12 years you're going to have lung cancer. Like you could say, yeah, maybe I should have not smoked as much or maybe I shouldn't have been smoking. Or, you know, if you love your McDonald's and you have McDonald's every morning and in the afternoon, um, you know, like in, in 12, 15, 20 years and you have cancer because you just riddled yourself with poisons your whole life. Yeah, you can see kind of like, especially now they're serving breakfast in the afternoon and at night. It's tempting. I could eat a McGriddle every day at every meal, you know. It would be bad. It would be bad choices. And so it's important to understand that, yes, we can sometimes point to it. But most of the time when we're talking about sickness, and we're going to read in this next scripture, that there's no... There's no rhyme or reason of why it happens. And so what do we do in those circumstances? So let's read John 9, 1 through 3, and then 6 through 7 together. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over his blind eyes, over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. And so right there, the disciples are asking Jesus, you know, whose fault is this, this sickness? Well, he can't see. Whose fault is that? Is it his or is his parents' fault? Why do we think that sickness would be easier to deal with if we had someone to blame for it? You know, I'm born blind, but since it was my fault or my parents' fault, well, I feel much better about this, you know? I can't see, but, you know, it was, it was my own fault, so I'm, I'm good with it, you know? And so I think sometimes when we're talking about cancer, when we ask the questions of why, we think that life would be so much better. We would have this reassurance of, well, now I know the reason I have cancer, so I'm, I'm good with it now. And so, like, what we need to realize is cancer and sickness is always bad. It's always wrong. It's not like this good thing that, oh, well, now I have it, and so now, you know, I'm good. I know why I had it, so, you know, I can deal with it better. The more answers we get, the more information we want, when there's no answer to why, I think that is when we ultimately begin to blame God. When sickness is seemingly random, the lessons we learn about God are not found in why we are sick, but in how he walks through us, through with us in our trials. It's not why we're sick, but it's how God is going to walk with us. How are we going to live? How are we going to let the hope of Jesus root inside of our hearts to have a practical impact in our lives to deal with the issues that we're facing. For each person walking through sickness, God has an answer 
for your how. If you have a loved one who is sick, God has an answer for you. Maybe not for why it's happening, but he has an answer for how he's going to walk with you through it. And that's with grace and with power. 2 Corinthians 12, 7b through 10 says, so this is Paul speaking, and he's talking about this issue he's dealing with. And so he says, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. And so that in itself brings up a lot of questions. Why would God allow that to happen? We're not going to hit that today, but I'm acknowledging it. Yes, that's weird and different. And so just write it on your connection card if you have questions about that too, because I have questions about that. But then he goes on, and this is the important part, the attitude that we need to take. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And so you might read that and be like, come on, Paul, be real. Like, seriously? Like, sometimes if I'm really cynical about my mom's situation, I'll read, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so happy about this. And I think those are honest conversations with God. And I'm sure Paul had those back and forths with God and he's telling us that this is a back and forth. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. How do we get to a point to say that my weakness is showing God's strength? How do we get to that point in our lives with what we're dealing with? And that's his grace and his power through Jesus we have to genuinely choose to trust that Jesus has our back with whatever we're going through instead of letting our worry lead to fear and let that get in the way of our relationship with him. God wants to walk with us through our suffering so that others can be encouraged. That's the, maybe the one answer to the why that I can give you today is maybe you're walking through this so that someone can see your strength that Christ is giving you to walk through that. But I don't tell you that why to make you think and be okay with it. If anything, it's just a cherry on top to power through your circumstance is to say, yeah, it sucks what you're going through. But other people are watching and you're encouraging them. That's not there to make everything okay. But it's there just to say you got people who have your back and are walking with you. <clears throat> what we know is, tr is true is that he gives grace to all, and sometimes his power is most evident when we are weak. And so thought number two we have to realize is that Jesus heals spiritually and physically. When we know those two things, that's what helps us in our faith. There's a story in Mark 2 where Jesus is in a town and he's in a house speaking and the crowds are just crowding around because they want to hear, you know, his message, his good news. And so there's this paralyzed man. He's laying on a mat, and his four friends are there. And they're like, this guy needs to see Jesus. This guy, of anyone, needs to experience what Jesus offers. And so they can't get into the house. So what do they do? They pull him up to the top of the roof, 
and drop him down through a hole down to Jesus. Now I recommend only doing this with paralyzed people because then you're risking actually paralyzing someone to get them to see Jesus. And that might be faithful, but let's just bring the sick to Jesus, not make people sick and take them to Jesus. And so we're going to read this in Mark 2, 5 through 12, because Jesus' response to this and his interaction with the Pharisees is very revealing to us about his purposes. And so Mark 2, 5 through 12 says, Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, My child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, What is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, Your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the, the stunned unlock, onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We've never seen anything like this before. And doesn't Jesus' response kind of give you hope? Jesus asked, is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or is it easier to say, stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? And so I think for me, in the stuff that my family is walking through, if I can put my hope, if I really truly believe that Jesus is my Savior, and I have the hope of Christ, that when I die, I'm going to be in eternal life with Jesus, if I truly believe that, isn't that kind of crazy, like when you just look at it? If I can believe that I have eternal life, can't I believe that Jesus wants to heal my mom physically in her brain and in her body with her cancer? If I can have faith for, for eternity, why can't I have faith for now in the practical? And so when I read this story, I get hope because Jesus not only wants to just heal us spiritually, He wants to heal us physically. What purpose would it serve Jesus and us if he just came and healed people of their diseases and every earthly related issue if he didn't set things right with them spiritually as well? I think oftentimes we pray for healing and we want this healing, but we don't realize that Jesus wants to do a deeper work inside of our hearts spiritually and inside of us. That the most important thing is that we would choose to follow him and trust him with whatever we're going through. But that's not to say that healing can't come. And so I'm saying if we have faith to believe that Jesus is saving us, that he's doing his redemptive work inside of us, if we truly believe that, then it shouldn't be a huge step to say and we, we believe he can heal now today in physical bodies with whatever cancer, sickness, blindness, lameness, paralyzedness, whatever it is. Whatever you're walking through, I believe Jesus has the power to heal because he heals physically and he heals spiritually. And those are the promises that he gives us. The early church was walking through this, and James in his book writes in James 5, 13 through 15, Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven." 
That's what the church is supposed to be all about, is a place for people to come, for people to come with their sickness, their brokenness, whatever in your life you are worrying about, you are safe here to come and ask for prayer, and we are going to pray for you, believing that God is going to heal you and walk through whatever you're going through, and he's never going to leave your side. And I think that's important to realize because I think too many times we treat God as just the safe harbor. That when my life goes to ruin, that's when I'm going to come to God. That's when I'm going to go to church. When I think, if we're talking about this analogy of a ship, I think, yes, God is the safe harbor, but he's also that captain on the boat who's going to take you down a path that is crazy. Kind of like, I was thinking about this, like a Jack Sparrow. You know, he has the crazy compass, and he's going through the storm, and you're like, where are you going? Do you know where you're going? And I think that's a lot of times my life with Jesus. He's like, okay, where are you going? I don't know where you're going. This is scary. Like, there's a storm right there. There's a storm right now in my family. And yeah, I'm in safe harbor because I, I choose to just give it all to God. But he's also the little one turning that wheel. And more importantly, he's the one controlling the rudder and telling me where to go, telling me how to walk forward. And that is what Jesus is saying. Is like, your sins are forgiven. If you choose to follow me, you have eternal life. You have the hope of Jesus. Your sins are forgiven, yes, but I can heal you as well. And so that's like dire importance and so important for us to realize that Jesus heals physically and spiritually. And so thought number three is that Jesus allows us to see death in light of eternity. And so truth be told, we are all eventually going to die. There's no one exempt from that. One day, we're all going to pass. And so the important thing to remember is that when we follow Jesus, death is different because we're seeing it in light of eternity, in light of what he's doing in us. And so I think a common understanding when we talk about death is that once we are pretty old, once we've lived a good life, then that is the moment that it's okay to die. Like, you know, he was 90 years old. He lived a good life. You know, he passed away. Or, you know, my grandma passed away. She was 100 years old. She got to see a lot of stuff. You know, it was just her time. And then if someone younger or even someone, you know, when we see children or tragedies happen, we think like, you know, they were just taken too soon. And I think that is very true, and those are very real feelings that we have a lot of times. But what we need to understand, and we talked about last week, is that eternity starts the minute we choose to follow Jesus. And that doesn't exempt us from sorrow when stuff happens, when people pass too soon as we see it in worldly standards. There's still sorrow there, there's still pain there. But where the pain ends is when we choose to put our hope in Jesus, knowing that there is eternity, that the minute we chose to follow Jesus is the moment that we started a new life as citizens of heaven, living in eternity with him. And so that changes the way we think, it changes the way we live, and it changes how we interact with others. The hope of Jesus tells us something so different than what the world tells us is truly important. It not only tells us that there is hope for healing now, but also that when we come to the end, that is only the beginning. 
Like we said last week, when we choose to follow Jesus, that's when eternity starts. When we get to the end of our lives, that is the beginning. We're just scraping the beginning of our eternal lives with Jesus. And for me, that adds hope. That adds hope. It doesn't take away sorrow when things happen suddenly, but it gives me hope that Jesus has my back in this situation. 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 5 explains this perfectly. And Paul says, For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We grow weary in our present bodies and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we put on for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will, we will not be spirits without bodies. While we live in these earthly bodies, we groan inside, but it's not that we want to die and get rid of these bodies that clothe us. Rather, we want to put on our new bodies so that these dying bodies will be swallowed up by life. God himself has prepared us for this, and as a guarantee, he has given us his Holy Spirit. God himself has prepared this for us. And he guarantees it by his Holy Spirit. Ultimately, when the worry of sickness in this life begins to rule us, maybe it makes us bitter, it gets in the way of our relationship with him, that's the time to pray and take a deep breath and just say, God, you got this. Jesus, this isn't a joke, right? Like, all this stuff you say in Scripture about there being a place for me. This isn't a joke. This is real. You know, very personally, I've had to ask, like, God, like, you got my mom, right? And I think we all ask those questions all the time. God, is this real? Are you really walking through this with me? And he comes through every time. Every time I press him, every time I'm like frantically wondering, you know, what's next, God? He comes through. Not in ways I necessarily like all the time, but he comes through. He comes through. So let me talk to you about a friend. She's here today. Her name is Lori. <clears throat> Three and a half years ago, Lori came to Open Life in 2012 on the day that she wanted to take her life. She walked through the doors, kind of by mistake. And since that day, she started to follow Jesus. She's been baptized. And honestly, from my perspective, all the stuff that I've walked through pales in comparison to what she's walked through. And it's awesome because she's still here She's still trusting in God, and her story is worth telling. And so we had an opportunity a couple months ago to film her, just kind of interview her, and just ask her to tell us about her story, what she's been walking through. And so we're going to show a small clip of that, and in the coming weeks we'll be releasing kind of a longer version to put on our, our stories page, just where we share stories of people at Open Life and what they're going through. And she'll be the first one. And so we wanted you to see her talking specifically about her health issues. So you can watch that now. 
ever since I walked through those doors, nothing has been the same. It's not been easier, but it has been easier. It's, it's easier to talk to people, it's easier to forgive myself, it's easier to get through this health issue that I know is um, going to take me home. And I know it's a beautiful and wonderful place. There's this song that Jeremy Camp knew is called Finally Home, and it's, just, it's beautiful. And it's a beautiful thought. But it's, it's still, you don't, it doesn't mean you want to just jump out and die tomorrow. At least I don't, sorry. It, especially at first ticked me off really bad because I felt like I was just starting to really live and really enjoy life, enjoy having friends, not just, it's not like I didn't have friends before, but friends to go do things with, to go to church with, to just talk to, whether it's something good or something bad, whether it's because you're having a bad day at the doctor's office or you got a bad MRI or because you just ate the best Ben and Jerry's ice cream that you've tried a new flavor of, and all you want to do is enjoy that. And so when the health thing started to take a turn for the worst in so many aspects, it just felt like, oh, I'm here, I'm enjoying life. And, and so I had to try to try to comprehend that, try to comprehend why now, the why me's, with, and do that without being like this non-person that doesn't have faith. Because before I didn't, I get up and I'll read or I'll do something or I'll hear a song and I just know that Even if something happens, I'm still going to be in a better place eventually than this place. You know, even as beautiful as this place is, and as much as I want to hang around for a while and enjoy the friendships I've come to know and, and uh, more friendships that are coming along and coming together with because I'm meeting other people and this beautiful domino effect. And I would like to to do things. I, I want to experience things. I'd like to help people and I'd like to see, if, you know, more of my friends come to church and get to know God. And even if it's just a little at a time like me, you know, I don't know. I'm sure there's certain people out there that they just walk into church and it just all explodes into place one day. But I'm, I'm, Software exploding, I don't know. <clears throat> you know, it's easy to read a passage, try to try to explain it, put a little cool story in there. But it's really cool when you can see the passage lived out in front of your eyes. When you can see true transformation happen in someone's life 
And so, Lori, I don't have answers to why, but it's been an honor in the conversations that me and Thad have with you and just with you dealing with, encouraging me with my mom. It's been an honor to see how, you see you get the how answers for your life. And so I believe that you walking through the doors of the high school on that specific day was God telling you how he was going to help you through the stuff that you were already walking through before that, but also how he's going to help you in the future. And so it's really interesting because she's walking through brain tumors very similar to what my mom is walking through. So just to, to see her walk through that personally and to see my mom walk through that, oddly enough, gives me hope. And that's, that's the story of dealing with fear and worry is that we have hope in Jesus. And so today's action step is to cherish life. To just cherish the life that we have today. To cherish today. To really, what, what could we add to our lives by worrying today? We're not going to add days. We're not going to add years by worrying about what's going on in our lives now. Now, that doesn't mean we escape from everything and we just live our lives like there's no consequences to the things that we do. But it means that we live differently now to say, God, I put my hope in you. I put my trust in you that I have eternity. And so what am I going to do today? What's my decisions today that are going to let me cherish life? Psalm 90, 12 says, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Teach us to realize that life is short and let us become wise in that so that we can make decisions that are truly life-changing for other people. Well, how would you live your life differently if you knew you only had six weeks to live? Like, what are the things you deal with in your life? How would you raise your children differently? You'd be very intentional. How would you, what would you do? Because there's people, we, you probably know someone who's living from MRI to MRI for the doctor to say, you know what, you're good. You got another six weeks, come back. Let's see how you're doing then. That kills you on the inside. Seriously, come back in six weeks so I can know if I get to live another six weeks. But when we choose to put our hope in Jesus, man, there's peace that comes from that. When we see other people walking through that and choosing to live just life with God, even going through tough circumstances, that brings hope. So what can you do to cherish life today? I'm gonna pray. You can write questions on your connection card if you want. You can write prayer requests. But think about how is God walking with you now going through the trial that you're going through. Take a moment to pray for someone you know is walking through sickness and walking through trial. And we'll worship and we'll pray and we'll end service. God, I just thank you just for a, a time to talk about a tough issue, God, but one that brings hope, God. If people, if people can believe 
in circumstances that seem so hard and so trial, God, that gives me hope for maybe the situation that I'm walking through, God. And so I pray, Lord, that, that people today would begin to trust and put their hope in who you are and trust, Lord, that you do heal spiritually, God, because that's what you want to do first is heal us spiritually, God. But Lord, I pray that that would give us hope and strength to believe for healing. God, let us have the courage to maybe ask for prayer for the issue that we're walking through. If we are sick, let us not be worried about whether or not you're going to heal us to just say, God, Lord, would you heal me in the name of Jesus? God, give us strength to trust and believe in you. God, give us the strength to press forward, God to just live and cherish life. Give us that wisdom, God. Let us grow in that. Be learners of your love. God, let us maybe change someone else's heart, God. As they look at how we live, may they be challenged and strengthened, pressed to put their trust in you as well, God. That's our prayer today. In your name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you have questions about anything you heard during this talk or have a prayer request, you can fill out the connection card on our app or online at openlife.church. If you'd like to join the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can do this quickly and securely through the app by pressing the give button at the bottom or on our website by clicking on the giving tab. Open Life wouldn't exist without the consistent and generous giving of people like you. Finally, it's great that you had the chance to listen on the app, online, or through our podcast. But have you ever thought about joining us for a service? We meet every Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School at 10 a.m. This way you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing through your ears. Thanks again for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week.